0: doing two shifts a week as a pizza delivery man and
1: being a student
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and getting paid a hundred dollars a month by <laughs> j Jonah jameson
1: okay Th- this movie
0: <laughs> what
1: <laughs> fresh
0: out the oven it's
1: cinema bums i'm emmett and i'm wade Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie and popular film franchises one each week to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries, Webhead Summer, (laughs) covering every (laughs) Spider-Man film. I'm trying to be Tobey Maguire being (laughs) Spider-Man. Sorry, I, I didn't play right. Neither did his. We will fully spoil today's film, Spider-Man 2. We will not spoil any future entries in the series, probably. Wade,
0: how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, Emmett. How about you? Would you like a slice of chocolate cake and a glass of warm milk? Okay.
1: You just, you you want <laughs> to go straight for it because this movie. <laughs> I'm just asking.
0: This movie is Doing things. I'm just showing it up at your door in extreme low rise jeans to ask if you want a, a slice of chocolate cake and a glass of milk. Wow. He is so rude to her. <laughs> like every
1: other person in this movie, Toby McGuire could <laughs> not care if she if she lived or died when she offered him that cake it barely registered he was like the word cake like floated into his mind he was like oh i could handle that maybe but i don't like emotional attachment to the person giving it
0: to me absolutely not it's so weird i really just have to ask like what did the world see in toby why was there this toby fever after these two performances where he just stares blankly as things happen around him. Wasn't he in the Great Gatsby movie? That's that's much later. Okay. I feel like he's pretty good in that. That's 2013.
1: Okay, that is nine years later. He had time to grow and learn from his mistakes. <laughs> How about Seabiscuit? Have you seen Seabiscuit? I have not seen Seabiscuit, unfortunately. Don't at me about it. Horse Twitter. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't either. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, you naysayers. <laughs> oh, God.
0: <laughs> wow, they're going to gallop into your DMs. Oh, man. With unbridled
1: rage. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of a joke about shoes, but I'm going to have to hoof it out of there.
0: I just trying to think of Jockey,
1: but I decided to stop. <laughs> oh, well, we've thoroughly devolved already. It's a new <laughs> record. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> shall we talk about Spider-Man 2 from 2004, directed by Sam Raimi? Wade, what are the very brief stats in this film?
0: Spider-Man 2, June 30th, 2004. Sam Raimi back directing Alvin Sargent, who is an Oscar Award winner for Best Screenplay twice over for the films Julia and Ordinary People both in the 70s, I believe. He was the on-set writer for the first film. He was the guy punching up the dialogue on the set every day, and now he has full screenplay credits. Although the story credits are broken up, I believe what happened here is that Sony commissioned a bunch of writers, including some who did not even get story credits, to do screenplays of what they think a Spider-Man 2 should be. Mm -hmm. Not really um, expecting to use them. Mm -hmm. I think Sony was just like, let's hire like six different people, basically, and figure out what they think Spider-Man 2 should be. And then Raimi and Alvin Sargent sat down and sort of picked ideas they liked from all of them and wrote the screenplay. But the two that get the actual story credits, there's the writing team, Alfred Gu and Miles Millar, who... We're behind the TV show Smallville, a kind of similar attitude to superhero property to Mm, these Spider-Man movies. And then there's Michael Chabon, the novelist, uh, who wrote The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay around this time. Have you ever read any of the Chabon books? No, but
1: I've heard heard the
0: name. I have too, but haven't read any. Uh, The score is by Danny Elfman, Back Again. Six minutes longer than the first film, this one running two hours and seven minutes, making seven hundred ninety-four million dollars on a box office wow. of two hundred million. That is just slightly under what the first one made, but bigger budget. It was the third highest-grossing film of two thousand four, and it was critically acclaimed at the time, eighty-three on Metacritic, to the original seventy-three. It was nominated for both Sound Awards and won Best Visual Effects at the Oscars. And for anyone who's not seen it recently, how would you refresh the plot of the Oscar award-winning Spider-Man 2? Okay,
1: so I don't know if you remember, but in the end of Spider-Man 1, Peter was like, I can never... I can never love you, Mary Jane, not the way that God intended for a man to love a woman. Because, because I have great responsibilities.
0: If you don't remember that, it's recapped in, in art style in a ten-minute-long opening of sequence. Yeah, I was going to say all
1: at least
0: all six of the additional
1: minutes. <laughs> Are the opening credit, which just recaps everything from the first movie. Yeah. MJ and Peter can never see each other again. Okay. Cut to MJ is finally, maybe kind of starting to have some success. She has a boyfriend who just so happens to be J. Jonah Jameson's son, mm-hmm. a famous astronaut. I'm not joking then what we've got harry harry is over here he's like i must avenge my father i saw him die at spider-man's hands i must avenge my father and mm-hmm. so he's like going around but he loves peter parker and he has not put that he has not put two and two together yet come on to the scene the villain question mark or perhaps the tragic hero of this story
0: <laughs> hmm mm-hmm.
1: dr otto octavius which we gotta love, J. Jonah Jameson's quote when he says, <laughs> "What are the odds that somebody named Doctor Octavius is gonna wind up with eight arms?" Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's true. So he has invented these, and this is very strange. Again, the whole like villain thing, like the plot, what is yeah. going on, kind of like just hand wavy. But I here, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna attempt to to go for it here. Okay. He's created these arms.
0: Mechanical big spider like robot arms. Yeah,
1: he's got these cool robot arms and they can do basically anything, is what we are led to believe. These are not his big project, these are just a tool that he is using in his big project. And his big project is creating some sort of like massive nuclear fusion machine that basically replicates a sun in miniature like some sort of safe repeatable nuclear fusion and he is manipulating that by touching bands of radiation with his metal octopus hands which is far-fetched but pretty cool when you see it and then that goes horribly wrong as you know anyone would guess and all of the many, like the dozens of people who are standing very close by without any sort of a protective equipment whatsoever start to be like sucked into the fusion thing. His poor, wonderful supportive wife is killed by mm-hmm. pieces of glass flying. Other people are injured. Spider-Man saves Harry, but it changes nothing. And uh, so Octavius is injured And somehow these arms take over his brain. And then he becomes evil octopus man because the arm brains, they're like semi sentient AI arm brains and they now control. And like the arms have a need for them to somehow get the fusion thing going again so they can power themselves. So he is like a man imprisoned in Mm -hmm. himself and like watching as he does all of these horrible things like his arms like his octopus arms are kind of doing that while he's like limp human body just kind of like hangs there but is still like aware of what's going on it's messed up it's a really cool villain arc sadly this affects toby Maguire not at
0: all (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of the same thing as the first movie with Mm. green goblin where they're doing like the villain is a nice guy mm-hmm. who has a relationship with Peter Parker, mm-hmm. who then has like some evil forced upon him. Yeah. And will go like in and out of the evil personality and like the good personality, like not really being aware of his actions. Mm. It's that sort of dynamic again.
1: Which is interesting. I, I can't imagine that might crop up a third time. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Doc Ock, as he comes to be known. Decides to build another fusion reactor down under the bridge near the river because, of course, he needs to get funding. His arms tell him, and he says, Oh, yes, the real crime would be not to do it. <laughs> he robs a bank, but then Harry is like, I can make you so much richer than a single bank. My father owns all the diamond mines in America or some crazy <laughs> thing like that. And then he's like, I'll give you everything. I'll fund your entire program for at least another five years with a co-sponsorship. And like, if you'll promote us on social media and then like, we'll do a cross thing. And, and Doc Ock's like, all right, I'll do it. I, whatever, I'll do it. And he's like, okay, but just one, what I, you have to kill Spider-Man. And Doc Ock is like, I'm not a, I'm not a killer. I'm not a bad man. And he's like, do it. He killed my father. I mean, I'm making it sound better than it this actually is in the movie.
0: <laughs> the best part of the entire movie is when Harry is going to give him, like, plutonium or some <laughs> other absurd thing that he needs to power it in, in exchange for bringing Spider-Man to him. Uh, they, they say something like, there's only 25 pounds of it in the world, and Doc Ock is having him gather all of it. And... uh Harry's like, yeah, I'll give it to you as soon as you bring me Spider-Man. And he's like, okay, and he leaves, and then he turns around, and the camera zooms in on him, and he takes off his little sunglasses and he says, Have it ready. <laughs> it's great. I got I got chills down my spine watching it. a Movie Star moment for for this very strange, like heavyweight, middle-aged <laughs> scientist man wearing tiny little sunglasses as as the sexy family man bad guy of this movie
1: i mean just bizarre choices abound at the end he fights spider-man yeah spider-man comes in they realize that mary jane is the way to make spider-man unhappy Oh, and for a while, Spider Man is like, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to have to go without oh, right. my powers. <laughs> the main point of the movie, we forgot. We forgot. There's this whole part where Spider Man is sick, maybe, like has mutation sickness and can't. He's doing the shoot Wolverine solo
0: movie thing where his powers are just not working for a little
1: bit. Yeah, exactly. It's just like not clear what's going on, but every once in a while, when it's convenient to the plot, he really gets boned. And. <laughs> He's kind of in a moral tizzy about it. And he's asking, he's asking Aunt May and Aunt May's like, I don't know, Peter. They're about to foreclose on my house. I have bigger fish to fry. And he's asking, he's asking Mary Jane. And she's like, I don't know, Peter, I'm about to get married. You never even came to see me in the, in the play. You like can't even ever step up. And he's like, I'm Uh sad you're getting married. And she's like, why, Peter, why have you ever expressed anything to me? And then he just, like, looks, he just, like, blinks at her. And, yeah, and then there's this weird bit where he talks to a doctor. Maybe
0: the best scene in the movie. That scene is incredible. (laughs) That doctor is so good. He's wearing a tie-dye t-shirt and jeans over, like, a loose smock. And he's just, like, sitting on the bed next to Peter telling him to get his life in control. It's great. It's great. It is great. And Peter just tells him that he's Spider Man, basically. He does okay. the thing like my friend is Spider-Man and he's having trouble. <laughs> you know.
1: It's very hard. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. In the end, Alfred Molina brings down the river on himself and sacrifices himself and his experiments so that Spider Man and Mary Jane can escape.
0: Yes. And and slightly before that, he brings Spider Man to Harry. Yeah and Harry unmasks him and finds out that he's Peter Parker and his brain is broken <laughs> and then Peter absolutely whiffs it and just goes like no time to talk about this right now don't worry about this i got to go and just leaves him hanging out there dude so Spider-Man 2 flopper bop okay i would say a bop for me i think this movie is remarkably coherent for a superhero movie In that it is, like, all sort of about one thing. And everything is, like, tied into that thing of Spider-Man having a bad work-life balance, basically. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I really like and admire that, like, how ingrained the theme of the movie is throughout everything. And I think there are some really good performances. What I kind of miss from the first movie... And I do think this is a better movie overall than the first, but I do sort of miss, like, the manic energy of the Hmm. first movie. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, the Raimi quirks are way toned down in this, and this is way more of, like, a regular movie with some cool flair than, like, a full-blown insane Sam Raimi blockbuster, which the first one is. Yeah, Absolutely. I do miss some of that stuff, and I think that Toby Maguire is like really bad in this, and um, just staring blankly as a great movie unfolds around him. But I like a lot of the other performances. I like a lot of the little quirks in New York stuff. Hmm. I want to have a discussion about Alvin Sargent's mission to bring back the monologue, because this film is Monologue City, I would say. Oh, yeah. Although part of me also is like, does he know that Toby can't act? And that's why he's just going to uh, give MJ and Aunt May and Doc Ock a monologue to say to Toby. Yeah, tons of stuff to do. Yeah, could be. Yeah, I don't know. But overall, a Bob for me. Emmett, flop or
1: This movie for me is a flop. Mm, this movie is like pretending to be serious... Like, the whole idea that he's trying to give up his powers. Like, at what point? Like, why? And if he's trying to give up his powers, wouldn't that be so that he could be with MJ and, like, that that would make sense? But that doesn't have any seem to have much to do... You know, like, that is supposed to be a large driving factor of what's going on for him, but it doesn't really seem to pay off. I mean... I don't know. I think the villain is good. I think the other performances are good. I think the things mm. that are going on with the other characters are all interesting. But I just think it fails to to cohere and make sense for him. It's just like, moment after moment, you're like, what in the hell is he doing <laughs> in this movie? He's just like, right. what right. is, what's absurd and just like bad? It's like, you want to like this guy. I think somebody confused a lovable nerd with frightening sociopath (laughs) and, (laughs) and, and like, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think there could be looking ahead to the other movies, not to spoil anything, but with other actors in the role, I feel like there's a, an easier breezier, more charming Spider-Man coming down the road, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, sure. They can be geeky and awkward and still be like, that can be their character, but it can still be charming to the audience. Tobey Maguire is off-putting in like almost every scene in this film, (laughs) you side with the other side. You're like, yeah, I mean, I'm probably with Alfred Molina. I don't know why he's tried to
0: build a sun bomb underneath the river, but it's probably better
1: (laughs) than whatever Spider-Man wants to do.
0: Yeah, I think it's maybe more maddening in this film because I think this film is like an overall better structure than the first film. Mm, mm -hmm. But for me, I would say the performance takes away less from this one than the first one because the first one is so dependent on you, like understanding his relationship with everyone Uh, else and building all of those up. And for me, that whole first movie, I'm like, I don't understand like what his perspective is on any of these relationships, how he feels about anything. In this one, you're like coming in with the knowledge of where those right. relationships right, are and right. it's pretty static. So it's less reliant on Toby selling it to pay it off. Which is kind of like the thing I like about sequels in general, is that like this can be a movie about the time Peter Parker tried to stop being Spider-Man. Instead of having to be a story about, like, how a high school boy becomes a costume vigilante who protects the city. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, Emmett, that you felt this movie was faking being serious. And I want to ask you about the tone of these things. Right? Because my feeling is, tell me what you think, that these movies are not corny just because they're from 20 years ago. I think that they are going for some sort of heightened, corny, like, comic book world, right?
1: Yes. Yes, I think they are in this one. And in the first one, they are kind of by default on the fact that they're cramming so much information in. But this one feels more like a movie that is about real people. Yeah, I actually think it is a good kind of movie about what is it like 320 like 320 something year olds figuring out their lives yeah you know Mm -hmm. as that goes i think that like all of that stuff is interestingly written coherently plotted i just don't think it works very well because because toby is making like stupid choices in every single scene and it's like it's just it's crippled so like in moments that i want to take seriously that could be heightened, you still want to feel uh-huh. it. I feel like he consistently, like, undercuts it. Like, unthinkable choices. Like, there's a moment in this, he's calling Mary Jane, and he's, like, he's like been an ass, He she's like, walked out on him Right, dinner. right, right. And then uh-huh. he calls her, and he just, like, sounds, like, kind of annoyed on the phone when he's talking to her. Which just like, yeah, just, like, get back to me. Like, what are you even... <laughs> I don't know. Are we supposed to hate him? That's like oh, that was a big thing for this for me in this. Is like are we supposed to not like him?
0: Well, especially because this movie is really like the world beating up on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the first act before he gives up the costume. It's like he's late to everything. People mm-hmm. are like literally stepping on him. It starts raining the second he walks outside. Like it is mm-hmm. that sort of Peter Parker is doomed and can't catch a break. And you are watching yeah. that happen for like the first hour of this two hour movie. Yeah. So are we supposed to sympathize with him? Are we supposed to enjoy that this weird dude is <laughs> uh, can't catch a break? Or like, what is it all supposed to mean? Not a clue. Yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of agree because I think it's a good story. Like, that's a good story, but it predisposes that we like the person and understand him, that we would care that he's going through such a hard time, which (laughs) I don't think watching them today
1: we really do. And I also think the main hard time that he is having at the beginning of this is that he is in love with Mary Jane Mm -hmm. and she is with somebody else. Well, dude, that is a completely self-invented, like a self-created problem from the end of the last movie which was a completely arbitrary choice that seemed unmotivated and now he's just unhappy that he made it (laughs) yeah it's it's astounding there is not a moment that makes any of that makes sense it was like i regret this and then even at the end of the movie this can we talk about this final scene where he's finally, like, him and MJ, it's, like, them, they're happy, and then oh, uh-huh. he, like, has to run off and, like, go and be Spider-Man and go and get the thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look good for them down the road.
0: Really interesting to me was that final shot, because you get that moment to, like, go get him, Tiger, and then mm. he goes off and you get basically the end of the first movie, like, the long shot of him swinging mm. through the streets and... Uh, looks really cool, but then you flash back to MJ and you just see her face watching him silently for like ten seconds, and then we cut to black, and that's the the final shot of the movie, which feels important, purposeful to me. But yeah, I, I was a little taken aback by it. I think
1: you were so right earlier when you were talking about in the first movie about how well cast Kirsten Dunst is. Mm. Like, I think it she gets better in each of these. Although I think this one probably gives her the most to do. She knows what world she's in.
0: Yeah, she definitely does. Because they write all of their romance scenes like different than they write any other scenes in these movies. And she is playing them really well. And he is not. Also, just so that we're
1: tracking this for the audience and for my sanity. In the first movie, Mary Jane was dating a dude named Flash, right? Who was a jerk. Then, after an unknown amount of time, Mary Jane started dating Harry Osborn, Uh-huh. like very, but very, yes. very casually, uh, apparently, because he didn't know where she worked and nobody knew that they were dating until Thanksgiving that still somehow everyone was at. So she was dating Harry and then she fell in love with Spider-Man during the first movie.
0: Yes. Uh huh.
1: Also, at the same time, kind of falling for Peter Parker again, who she always maybe had a crush on in high school, or at least knew that he had a crush on her.
0: Well, Peter was like always in the background, I think. Uh At the end, she says, like, basically, like when I was in trouble, I thought I would think about Harry or Spider-Man, but I thought about Peter. That's like what she says at the end of the first one.
1: Right. And he says, I have responsibilities. I can't do it. So at the end of the first movie, she was like, not with Harry anymore. She was going to be with Peter if Peter was into it. Obviously, she's not going to date Spider-Man, but she did have a thing for Spider-Man too. Mm -hmm. Cut to this next movie. Some like two years has passed. Now she's dating the astronaut guy. Mm -hmm. She still has a crush on Spider-Man. Probably Peter is there is her friend who is just not very reliable. And then at the end of this movie, she leaves the astronaut because he gets incinerated. I think. Does he die? Does he get fridged in this film? Or does no? Just...
0: She she stands him up at the at their wedding. Remember? Oh
1: wait, am I missing this? It's am at I the actual wedding, and she
0: just runs away.
1: Oh yes, wait, <laughs> yes, and and Jay Jones says, "Call
0: the caterer, <laughs> see if we can cancel." Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, so she runs away. To be with Peter, to be with Spider-Man. Well, she knows. She finds out at some point in this movie. I think when she's being held captive in the end, she finds out. Because he's running around without that. Oh, uh,
1: right. Was running out. And she says, oh, and now they're together at the end of this movie. I just want to track it. Uh-huh. Because in the next movie, I have a feeling these sort of relationship things are going to dominate once more. And I just want to know where we all stand on this harry out in the cold at the end of this movie
0: harry doesn't get a ton to do in this movie but i think he's pretty good i really like him as Mm -hmm. like the trust fund billionaire ceo guy who like no one Uh respects and he's clearly trying to like talk the lingo that he thinks he should be saying and Mm -hmm. it's just like kind of awkward that's pretty good. And I honestly kind of like like you were saying how you side with other people like the moment he has at the party where he blows up on Peter I kind of agree with him where he's like no like you can't show up and say you're my best friend when you never talk to me when you know who Spider-Man is and I know Spider-Man killed my yeah. father and you won't tell me anything about him. Yeah. I I do side a little bit with Harry and have sympathy for him even though he is Just kind of in the shadows most of this movie.
1: Yeah. Him finding out at the end of this movie about the Green Goblin stuff, too, is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that stuff's cool. There's actually a good bit of little, like, sequel setup in this movie that I Mm. wanted to mention. There's that scene, which feels like it would probably be, like, uh, a post credit scene today. Yeah. I would say, where he finds the lair and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. There's Dr. Connors, who comic readers will know, Dr. Kurt Connors becomes the lizard eventually. Oh, yeah. He is mentioned in the first movie. And then in this movie, he actually is like kind of a big part. And he's like Peter's teacher who is trying to get him to have his life in order, basically. He's a benevolent presence in Peter's life.
1: And this is played by somebody that I know, um, somebody who came out sailing on the boat. A bunch back in the day a guy named dylan baker
0: oh my gosh no way
1: yeah he is like he is the that guy in a lot of movies he is the dad in uh, across the universe he is in oh, the movie trick-or-treat right. i think he's the uh-huh. evil principal in trick-or-treat he is in the movie fido which was about a zombie um that was trained like a dog um so very cool guy
0: just had to shout that out Wow, that's so cool. And also, just the fact that Jay Jonah's son is an astronaut, I believe that in some versions of the comics, it is him as an astronaut who brings the Venom symbiote back from outer space to Earth. Gotcha. Now, I think that is also the Fantastic Four in some other versions of it. But just like a space connection,
1: a space
0: connection is hinting at Venom.
1: Will you find your space
0: connection? (laughs) Oh, also I like the Doctor Strange reference. That's sort of fun and fortuitous that uh, Sam Raimi is now directing Doctor Strange.
1: Oh my gosh, are you super excited about that or what? After watching all these,
0: I feel more and more stoked. I hope it's going to be, you know, on... On the level, I hope that uh, they let him do his thing mm. mm-hmm. in terms of his directing. That's just my only hope, but I feel pretty hopeful about it. I guess it will have been out for a little bit by the time this comes out, but we haven't seen him yet, so I'm excited for it. It's interesting to me, the Doctor Strange thing brings up like the fact that kind of in all of these superhero movies, it sort of seems like there's only one superhero in the whole world. Mm-hmm which is like always a weird thing to me because that's never been how it is in the comics yeah 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 in any comics ever i mean i guess like this is the president sent by superman in the 70s and then batman in the 80s in terms of like the live action movies but like from the very first batman comic he was in a world where superman was too you know and like all of this marvel stuff is in the same world yeah so it's just always kind of weird to me that like all of the movies are like the only superhero anywhere is the x-men or is spider-man or whatever you know also
1: want to talk to me about how spider-man lives in a universe where he can have the lego death star star wars related toy Does that blow your mind a little bit? That's a future
0: spoiler. Sorry, that's (laughs) That's a future future spoiler. That's a future spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) A massive plot detail spoiled. I mean, what are you supposed to make of that? Fair enough. Oh, there is, Emmett, there is some massive behind-the-scenes drama we've Mm. got to talk about. Okay. I'm not sure if you know this. Tobey Maguire, you know, didn't really do much before this. I think he did Cider House Rules, which is a film my father showed me at one point. That was a well-liked film. But he had been in a little bit of stuff. Uh, does the first Spider-Man. Does Seabiscuit immediately after. Now I'm going to present just the facts of the case. here. Okay. Which is that he comes to Sony and he says, Hey, I had a back problem before doing even the first Spider-Man. I've got a back thing from back in the day. And it really flared up during Seabiscuit. It, so it's going to be hard for me to do Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Those are the facts of the case. Now, my commentary is that my feeling about this is that he wants them to say in response, Oh, don't go. We love you so much. Here, have lots more money mm. to deal with how hard it's going to be on you and Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. That is what I wantonly speculate was (laughs) his goal with this. Mm -hmm. But uh, back to the facts of the case, he tells them this and they say, okay, well, nice working with you. (laughs) He's fired and they hire Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) Jake Gyllenhaal signs the contract. He's doing the workouts. He's learning the lines. He is going to be Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2. The press releases are coming out. That Jake is in, but there's only one thing they hadn't counted on, which was old Tobe was dating the daughter of the studio CEO of Universal. No way! So old Toby's girlfriend's pops is big and influential in Hollywood, and he gives the head of Sony the top brass a call and says, "Hey, Toby's really a good guy. Come on, have him back for the second one." And they eventually uh, relent and fire Jake Gyllenhaal and rehire Toby Maguire. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine
1: being the person who had to, like, call Jake Gyllenhaal and be like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we got Toby back,
0: so. <laughs> damn so sorry you've only been eating eggs for six weeks but actually we don't need you wow yeah pretty wild and apparently toby improvised the joke where he's like my back ouch my back oh is that a a joke is that what qualifies as a joke in toby land (laughs) yes it's him improvising a little joke at his own expense
1: Whoa, I'm seeing here that Alfred Molina's first on-screen role was in Raiders of the Lost Ark as the young assistant who betrays Indy in the opening.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, isn't that pretty wild? That is pretty I wild. was very shocked to see that as well. Crazy. I think maybe they've got him in some culturally insensitive makeup in that role. Although he is a Spanish man, Alfred Molina. So That's I think both of his parents are Spanish and he's from
1: Britain. That brings us directly into the villain report. Mm. So what are your thoughts on Doc Ock? And to a lesser degree, what are your thoughts on Harry Osborn as the
0: other major antagonist Mm. here? I like the Harry stuff. I think it's well-seated. I wish there was a little bit more of him sort of doing anything else. But I guess that this is sort of his like dark movie to be glowering in the background. I really like Doc Ock. I love Alfred Molina and his performance in this movie. It really is like such a cool, stylish movie star performance. I feel like it's the best thing in the film. And I like that he is sort of like a romantic hero. He's not like a traditional bad guy. It is more sort of like the arms are the bad guy. Uh, And I really love the moment that I really love from him is when he wakes back up when like Otto wakes back up after Mm -hmm. all of it has happened and he realizes that it's Peter. And then he like puts together that Connors had said he was brilliant, but lazy. And he is like, so delighted to have figured out that in his head. Like it's clearly something that is bothering him. The first time you see him that Peter is this great science prodigy, but he never shows up to class. And then like the Doc ox has the moment of being like, Oh, I get it. It's because you're doing this. And he really uh, like sees Spider-Man and, and values him. I think Molina plays that moment really well. Any other thoughts for the villain report?
1: No, I think it's, I just think it's, like you said, it's it's very well, very well done. Uh this, this film, Spider-Man 2, famously adapted from George Bernard Shaw, Arms and the Man.
0: <laughs> uh, that was a joke <laughs> just for me. That was a joke just for you. <laughs> Uh, Very good,
1: very good. Thank you. Uh, And that's (laughs) that's all. I no, I love I love Harry. I love Harry as the villain. I think it's really compelling. Mm -hmm. I wish it was it was like brought in a little bit more. But honestly, too, it's like if Toby was better, that stuff could play more. There could be a little bit more cat and mouse between Harry, Toby, Spider Man. You know, yeah. Just very excited to see where all of that goes. He has been consistently a fun part of this, uh, of the series for me. It is now time for the MVP, O.T. Peter. And, Wade, who would you say that would be for you?
0: Uh, Okay, well, mine will be really quick because it it is Alfred Molina. I think he's probably the best performance in the movie. But I, I love his work as Doc Ock. Just really cool. You know, I feel like when you think of villains, you probably think of guys who look like Willem Dafoe. And that Doc brings such a different energy to kind of the same story it is really cool and makes it feel unique in this superhero landscape. So he's my MVP and a shout out MVP to the doctor who totally <laughs> almost got the award off of that one very funny scene. Oh, yeah. Emmett, who is your MVP?
1: I think Mary Jane has to get it. Hmm. She's really good in this. She's got a lot going on. I mean, I really love, I think this movie does a great job of like piling it up on its characters so that when characters are having conflict in the scene, there's multiple other layers of conflict that are also pressuring them at the same time. It's not just like the one thing in the scene. Like, you know, there's like a timer on it or there's, you know, and I think this movie does that very well. I just think that consistently her scenes are with toby and so they don't play as well as they could but i think it really makes her acting shine even brighter because you're like oh wow she's really giving a lot on on not much to that end like to the whole idea of like do we sympathize with spider-man or not like the people who we like in this movie the most consistently good people in this movie are mj and aunt may And they both like Spider-Man. And that's really the only good reason we have for liking him. So the more that we believe it, I think the better it is.
0: I do want to mention a frustrating thing about these movies is that in both the first one and in this one, Uh Mary Jane gets kidnapped twice and Aunt May gets kidnapped once in both of these movies. That exact thing happens, which is just like, constantly putting all the women in his life into like the damsel in distress role yeah which sucks uh, do you have
1: any other final thoughts on this um before we move on
0: final thoughts i like uh just a lot of the little tiny details in this you know i like that they say dr strange is already taken spider-man at one point makes a reference to my enemies and all of that stuff sort of gets my brain going and suggests that like in the two years or a year and a half between this and the first one like there have been other super villains we haven't gotten to see like i really don't like when these series sort of make it where all batman ever did was fight scarecrow and six months later he fought joker and then that was
1: it right you know. and then right. he retired and then he retired for 10 years and grew a grief
0: beard <laughs> I really don't like that. So I I like that there are adventures we're not seeing. And I like some of the other little details. Like I love the violin lady who recurs throughout this movie mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that's the fun little stuff you can do when you have like a solid structure and idea going that this movie definitely does. I like some of the horror stuff too. I really like the glass kill where Rosie like sees her reflection in the glass as it's, like, uh, yeah. coming to... I think, behead her. I mean, a really, like... Yeah. That part's really scary. And when Doc Ock wakes up, particularly the one shot of, like, the nurse who drags her nails on the floor. She's getting dragged away by the arms. Some of that stuff is really fun. And and Raimi goes kind of crazy, so... Yeah,
1: that's classic Raimi.
0: Yeah, in general, I mean, I kind of feel like if this did have Jake Gyllenhaal, it would maybe be what its reputation is, which is like one of, if not the best superhero movie ever. Yeah. But with Toby, it is like a good movie, the rare superhero movie that is this coherent (laughs) and this thematically tied together. Yeah. But it still just has the sort of black hole at its center, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, when you say that,
1: it reminds me of both attack of the clones and revenge of the sith more revenge of the sith than attack of the clones because i think revenge of the sith mm. is an excellently structured movie that then like sometimes fails to deliver on the writing or the acting but that like what is going on big picture story wise in that movie they tie a lot of stuff together really well but it is kind of held back from being you know truly great by having a lead that is not particularly compelling
0: with a lot of the stuff they have yeah
1: and I think too with like weirdly written conversations too And uh, see I don't know if that's to lean into Toby's weirdness and they're like okay so you were kind of weird last time Toby like we're just gonna lean into that this time and then he was like what do you mean I'm not weird and then he's like trying not to be weird the whole time and it's, <laughs> even, it's even worse uh, <laughs> those are my final thoughts okay now we're gonna have Bums the word. It's a quiz. Woo. So I was initially I was going to do the top ten highest grossing films of 2004, but then I realized you'd probably already seen some of those when you saw uh, Spider-Man 2 on there. Hmm. So we are doing the next top ten highest grossing films, the 11th through 20th. Oh, okay, okay, that's fun. Uh, for, so it's all from 2004. They're all still uh-huh. movies that you have heard of. Like There's okay. it's, there's nothing like... I don't think there's anything wildly obscure on here. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's all going to be stuff you've heard of. The rest of the best. The rest of the <laughs> best. The rest of the best of 2004.
0: Okay. This is still
1: in the top 20. Do you ma- imagine how many films come out in a single year? Okay. Yeah. So at number 20, it's a horror film. I believe this is... The American remake of a Japanese horror film. Is this The Grudge? It is The Grudge. That is correct. Nice work.
0: Because The Ring is 2002, I believe.
1: This next film is another horror or horror or horror adjacent film. Uh, It's by a famous twisty director... Uh, This is about a small group of people living in the woods. Is this The Village? It is. Starring Sigourney Weaver and Joaquin Phoenix. Number 18, the 18th highest grossing film. Uh, This is a comedy film from, I believe, from a famous group starring... uh, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Christine Taylor. Can I tell you, it's a sports comedy. Does this ring any bells? It's about a very violent form of sport uh, that used to be played in middle jo- uh, middle school gymnasiums okay. across is America. This dodgeball. Yes, it is. Dodgeball, a true underdog story. <laughs> Next, at 17th highest grossing film, it's a film by a famous documentary filmmaker. It's a political documentary and takes a critical look at the presidency of George W. Bush, the war in Iraq, and its coverage in the media.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. But it's not W, right? No, it's not W. A few years later. um, Is this a Michael Moore film? It is a Michael Moore film, but it's not Bowling for Columbine, which no. is the only one I can think of off the top of my head.
1: This is kind of a play on a famous, on the name of a famous book. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, okay. The, the movie is Fahrenheit nine eleven um, or nine one one by Michael Moore. Mm. Next film, number 16 on this list, an incredible horror action movie. Starring a true friend of the pod, a true hero to one and all. This is a movie that is about, among other things, family, lies, secrets, vampires, repeating action, crossbow rifles.
0: Wait. Is this uh, Van Helsing?
1: That is correct. Next movie, number 15 is a film starring Adam Sandler, supposedly a comedy. It's one of those classic movies that's kind of a take on the, uh, you know, the Groundhog Day thing. It's, uh, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, Rob Schneider, Sean Astin, Dan Aykroyd, Maya Rudolph in this romantic comedy. This basically, all right, so I'll give you, I'll give you the pitch. Boy meets girl, and falls in love, and then the next day he sees her again, and she has absolutely no memory of him because she has chronic amnesia. And so every day,
0: yes, 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 he he reintroduces. So and this they is fall fifty in love. first dates.
1: A bafflingly awful movie. All right, the next film on this list, number fourteen. It is the third in a trilogy. I think at the time it won the record for most oscars ever well wow.
0: i believe that's correct wait but is it i'm confused is it uh return of the king yeah isn't that a 2003 movie though it just made that much money still in 2004 oh i guess this is
1: domestic box office for 2004 so yeah i guess it did it made 127 wow dollars $2, in 2004 oh tricky tricky wow okay. watch out this next movie is another Ben Stiller joint, I believe. It is, you know, America's Funniest Man, Ben Stiller. Uh, it also stars famous actors, Barbara Streisand, Dustin Hoffman, and Robert De Niro,
0: as well as Owen Wilson. Wow. Uh, oh, this is Meet the Fockers. That is correct. Next up,
1: it's a historical drama starring two of the most beautiful men ever to exist about actually more than two. Just kidding. It's more than two. It's starring many of the most beautiful men ever to exist. It is a movie about one of the most famous wars of all time, a war that goes Mm -hmm. down in story and song. Is this remember the Alamo? (laughs) No. Okay.
0: So, uh, let's see it's an epic historical war film is this master and commander the far side of the world <laughs> it's written by david benioff who we've talked about before it's l- an
1: ensemble cast led by brad oh. Pitt, eric banna and orlando bloom
0: it is loosely based oh, on. okay 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 this is troy yes yes it is that is correct Ding, ding. Hello, Bums. Wade here. At this point when we were recording the episode, Emmett's audio got a little robotic, not something that is completely rare. You know, when we're recording this podcast remotely between New York City and the Outer Banks, two islands some 500-plus miles apart Unfortunately, what had never happened before is that Emmett's audio just stopped recording completely. So, you are not going to hear the last three minutes of this episode, unfortunately. But I am here to very quickly sum things up. Uh, There was one more movie, which was iRobot. I got it successfully. You'll be relieved to hear I won the game. Uh, at the end of it, it complimented me on how uh, smart and handsome and what a good performance it was. He promised to uh, Postmates me ice cream here in New York as soon as he hears this. So very excited for that. And then we wrapped things up. So allow me to say thank you for listening to Cinema Bums. We appreciate it so. Please tell your friends about it if you haven't. We are really excited about the Spider-Man series we're going on. It's a great chance to do the thing that we try and do on this podcast, which is look at how does a Spider-Man movie get made in the 70s versus the 2000s versus the 2010s versus 2021. And I'm really excited for all this stuff coming up. In 10 weeks, we're going to be watching Jordan Peele's Nope. Absolutely cannot wait for that as the year of Nope continues And equally chillingly, next week we're going to be talking about Spider-Man 3. So brace yourself for that Spider-Man 3 chat next week. Until then, like the severed mechanical arms of Dr. Octopus sinking into the Hudson, stay frosted.
1: cinema bums is a production of dkg podcasts it is created and produced by wade lawrence Holloman and me emmett temple wade also edits and mixes the podcast our theme music is by zane Holloman, who you can find on bandcamp and our show art is by autumn beckner our social media is managed by laura bennett if you like what you hear please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts the two best ways to spread the word about our work You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.